I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound. And you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The following podcast is a member of the Great Big Owl family. Hello and welcome to Friends with Friends. The first episode of the new series, which is live in front of an audience. There they are. There they are. You can hear them. Yeah, we are live at the London Podcast Festival 2019. And now we will uh, seamlessly cut into the bit we've already recorded, which is the rest of the episode. Enjoy. I hope we get one out of five in the end quiz. If you listen to the podcast regularly, you know Pete and I do it in two different cities. So I'm in London and Pete's in Leeds. In so. fact, this is literally the first time we've seen each other since we were here last year. Yep. <laughs> and we're sitting Good as far Good to see you, Dave. <laughs> yes, nice to, to see you. For the first sort of 45, 50 minutes, it'll just be me and Pete catching up. Yeah. And then <laughs> we'll much. do a little bit of friends at the end if we've got time, if that's all right. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, should we just crack on? Should we yes, get some, so. some guests out? Um, from the WrestleMe podcast, please welcome Mark Haynes and Pete Donaldson. <laughs> Thank you for doing this. Um, Pleasure. It's, you've both been on the podcast before separately. Mm. Yeah. So you do a wrestling podcast. We're going to just sort of work out. There's, there's a f- sort of slight link to what we're going to talk about today and the episode you've chosen. Yeah. Um, so if, you, if you're not familiar with our podcast, A, thanks for coming and taking a chance on it. And B, we uh, talk about a specific episode of Friends that our guests choose. Uh, and so you said, oh, we want to do a, a, an episode that links in, ties in somewhere. Yeah. yeah. So what have you chosen? Well, there, there are a couple. I mean, there's a famous Friends storyline which is where John Favreau, who is Monica's boyfriend, Pete. who's a chef, uh, does MMA. He wants to be a UFC fighter. So that would have been the obvious one to choose because people would go, well, that makes sense. I can see why they've picked that one. Um, we haven't picked that one. Um, we've picked, uh, it's an episode, I think it's series, season three, episode three. Uh, and it's called The One With The Jam. And the reason we picked that is because it stars, I think in his only friend's appearance, actually on screen, uh, David Arquette. Yes. And David Arquette has a really interesting, odd story in the history of professional wrestling. Um, that is, <laughs> if you look at his Wikipedia page, about half of it is dedicated to his wrestling career. <laughs> so Do you think even he though he himself? did it for five months, yeah, just, <laughs> uh, it, it's, it's astonishing. So uh, yeah, that's why we picked it. Okay. Uh, and so strangely... David Arquette this morning tweeted us. Yeah, he is He is actually aware that this is happening. So David Arquette is aware that you're here. Shall I, shall I read the message? Yeah. So we, we tweeted a little bit earlier that, that this was happening and that it was an episode that featured David Arquette. So now, everyone, I'd like to read you a message direct from David Arquette. Thank you. 
<laughs> that's it. That's that's all it says. That's all it says. Yeah. Is that one of those auto responding things out on emails? I'll yeah. get back to that. It's like a customer service Thanks. one, yeah. I, I saw that this morning and I thought, ah, now I've got to change a lot of what I was gonna say. <laughs> because he's aware of it and he and he said thank you and he seems really nice. That was his solicitor. <laughs> he's uh, aware of it. So uh, very much uh, the notes that I have are all about how great and nice David Arquette is now. Understandably. Um what is David Arquette's position in the is, is he fondly looked upon in the wrestling world or do people uh no he is i would say probably the most loathed person ever in professional wrestling and i don't say that in a professional wrestling way where you're like boo you're the bad guy people genuinely hate him they hate his legacy they hate the fact he was there <laughs> and among those people who go it was one of the worst things to ever happen is david arquette <laughs> Right. So did he essentially do what Pete does in Friends and just decide that he wanted to have a go at being a wrestler? Slightly. There's a funny story about it, which is so complex. And again, this is what we do on our podcast is we try and pull apart what wrestling is behind the scenes. It's always worth saying before we start this, we know that wrestling is not a legitimate sport. It is what? like... it's. <laughs> It's like, you know, Friends is not actually a legitimate fly-on-the-wall documentary. It's scripted and it has outcomes, and that makes it better than if they were just doing it on the, on the sure. fly. Um, you don't need me to explain how television programs work. And P Please do continue. What had basically happened is WCW was the rival to the WWE, which was formerly known as WWF. And WCW was a huge organization that made millions and millions as the number two organization. They did incredible business. And as part of this incredible business, they all started going slightly mad. And one of the things they did was they thought, how do we get wrestling to the next level? It's massive on TV, but we want to reach other people. And they decided to do that by, you, by creating their own film. And it was called Ready to Rumble. And it came out in 2000. And because wrestling fans are treated like scum by people who do wrestling, it's the story of two sewage workers who, <laughs> who want to get a wrestler to be champion again. And the wrestlers in it, there are 28 wrestlers from WCW in this WCW made film. And David Arquette is one of the sewage workers. Now this film is terrible. It's really, really bad. I, I know, how could they fail with that raw material? <laughs> It's terrible, it's awful. But David Arquette, for some reason, let on that he was a huge wrestling fan. And WCW, the management at the time, said, do you know what would be a great idea? Is if we took the oldest belt in wrestling, 150 years old, if we gave it to the actor David Arquette, that would make us, mainstream eyes would be on us, and everyone would go, isn't wrestling great? It will be good for us, it will be good for David Arquette. It will be good for wrestling fans, it will be good for non-wrestling fans. It was none of those things. <laughs> so David Arquette came in. He had a couple of matches. Uh, he ended up winning this belt, which really stretches back to about 1912. The wrestling fans hated it. No one in the mainstream took any notice at all. <laughs> the wrestlers themselves were furious that David Arquette had been given the, the sort of symbol of excellence in the business. David Arquette, he was a huge wrestling fan, and he'd spent his time saying, please do not give me this belt because I am a fan and as a fan, I would hate it. They talked him into it. He said, the problem is if you're a big wrestling fan and they say, do you want to be the champion? You will go, oh, a year ago, this wasn't even on the cards, but now I'm going to be the champion. He did it. It was absolute disaster. It is seen as being one of the there were many reasons why WCW folded, having gone from being making 100 million a year to one year sort of just suddenly zero. Um, there were many reasons it failed, but 
the, the, the placement of David Arquette showed management had no idea what was going on. It was one of the reasons that WCW folded, essentially. They lost total control of their fan base. Now, David Arquette is hated in that respect, <laughs> but he's also an amazing dude. And the reason he's an amazing dude is, A, he's a fan, and he was like, I don't want it, but I am going to have it. Credit to you. But he did the, all the money he made uh, and he was wrestling for five months, but in a multi-million organization, I think he made $3 million. All of that he donated entirely silently to the families of Brian Pillman and Owen Hart, two wrestlers who had died very young, and to a wrestler called Darren Drozdov, who'd been paralyzed in the ring. And all of that money that he made went to those wrestlers. And he never mentioned it until it came out many years later. So, uh, you know, thoroughly decent dude. The funny thing about it now is the WWE who own the history of wrestling, they, <laughs> they basically, they take the rough and the smooth in the history, but they never mention David Arquette. <laughs> Even when he's been at live shows and they've been putting the cameras in going, look, it's Billy Gibbons from ZZ Top. If David Arquette is next to him, the camera will just cut off, right? <laughs> The thing about him is he's still a huge fan. And so last year, he actually started wrestling again. And he's been wrestling at a very grassroots level. Um, and he's been doing some sort of, you know, quite high profile things. Famously, last year, he was involved in a thing called a death match, which is using weapons. And he managed to get a light tube jammed into his neck and it just basically cut a jugular and it began to... Sp I mean, it was absolutely repulsive. But he's back and he's still doing it. And he's, you have he's seen worse down the sewer. <laughs> So that's, that's the reason we picked David Arquette. <laughs> Plus he sent us a nice tweet, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the, the thing that is amazing about it is David Arquette, it, he does this one episode of Friends. Yeah. And you look at it, it's not like he's a big star. He was no bigger a star when they made him the champion of WCW. <laughs> it is the most, it, it's, it's, it's like they've sort of, I don't know, it's like giving someone who's in Emmerdale the belt. <laughs> What were you thinking? Well, I think we've redressed the balance of coverage of David Arquette, though. Yeah. <laughs> Should we talk about Friends? No. <laughs> uh, so this is, if, uh, for, if you haven't watched this episode recently, the one with the jam, season three, episode three. Uh, I'll just read you the synopsis in case you haven't watched it recently. Phoebe is stalked by a man who mistakes her for her twin sister, David Arquette. Ross and Rachel, meanwhile, give Chandler boyfriend lessons. And Monica uses her free time after breaking up with Richard to make jam and then considers artificial insemination through a sperm bag. Classic friends. Classic friends plot. Great. You can see how they all flow into each other perfectly. It, it's uneven when you say it out loud, but it's also uneven when you're watching it. Yeah. Uh, where do you want to start? Jam? Sperm? Sp no, that's the same. Jam and sperm is the same storyline. Well, maybe Confusingly. you're But very much not the same thing, yeah. So the jam slash sperm is number one. Stalking is number two. Yeah. And then what's the third one? Oh, oh, Ross and Rachel talking to Chandler about how yeah. to hug Janice, basically. Yeah. Uh, let's start with in Jamtown, shall we? Because I mean that's start kind of the, the, okay. that that kind of punctuates every scene in the in the piece. Uh, yeah. Monica's just been dumped, or did she do the dumping? Or they they broke up, didn't they, at the end of season two? Because Monica and Richard didn't want to have because uh, Richard didn't want to have kids, yeah. right? And, okay. and they sort of tearfully parted ways. So she's in, she's going through this um, emotional state now where she's making jam, which I, isn't ever really explained, is it? <laughs> no, no. They 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 chuck a lot of the wall, and I think sometimes you get Not the feeling jam. the the actor <laughs> the, the writers have sat there and really gone through it, and in the the, the revisions of the script. 
some of the stuff that explains it has gone out, but they all know that oh, she's doing the jam thing. But but the actual sort of lead into that just isn't there. <laughs> no. So I mean, I think the opening, the opening, there's the, the line she said is is on the name. It's the first line of the episode um, when it comes back off the opening credits. Monica just says, "Look at me, I'm making jam." <laughs> <laughs> and scene. <laughs> That's all you need. The audience also really laugh at that. She has so much fruit as well. There is like crate upon crate stacked on every surface in her sizable apartment. And there's just an absolute shit ton of fruit. <laughs> Which is acquired by going to the docks at 4am. Yes. Commitment to the jam making. Yeah. There's a good joke out of that, which is uh, uh, along the lines of, I think uh, Courtney Cox Monica says, um, I bet you didn't know you could get fruit at the docks. And uh, Rachel replies, I didn't even know there were docks. <laughs> good line. Good yeah, job. there's a couple of good lines in that. Um, my first instinct was watching this is, they, they don't, I didn't think they called jam jam in America. Don't they it's call jelly, it jam jelly? jelly? Yeah. yeah. Are oh, there any yeah. Americans here? Cool. Brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad we sorted that one out, guys. Yeah, yeah. absolutely thrilled. They do, though. They, don't call, they, they, they call it jelly. I thought so. Yeah. That's yeah. it. That's oh, so like a kind of, it would be like a, a posh preserve would be a jam. Right, like, okay. It, it, so it's it's like a, jam. a very specific type mm. of jelly is jam. Um, Joey is bizarrely obsessed with jam. Again, mm. for reasons which are never fully explained but seem to link back to his childhood. Never referenced before or after this episode as well. <laughs> <laughs> suddenly discovers but the, but the thing, of jam. But the thing that stays with the season is that's actually kind of put together at the start is where he's jumping on the bed. And he yeah. breaks his arm in, yes. and, it's, and it's all because he broke his arm in real life. So for two or three episodes, he's got his arm strapped up. But this, the setup is just Chandler looking at a, an unseen Joy breaking his arm. Yeah. Sure, but it's a very short scene as well, isn't it? It's about yeah. like 18, 19 seconds. At the start of the episode, yeah. very weird. Well, I imagine they literally had to write that the week of the episode <laughs> yes. because Matt LeBlanc... So this weirdly ties in. If any of you were here at last year's live episode that we did here with Alex Zane... We did the previous episode to this just right. purely by coincidence, which is the one where no one's ready. So the story is that um, if you remember that episode, Chandler and Joey are fighting over a chair, another classic storyline. And there's a bit where Joey comes into the apartment and, and runs across the apartment and dives to the chair. And during that, that how he, did it? he dislocates his shoulder. Okay. Yeah, so and then they obviously just went, oh shit. And then they wrote this 19 second scene where and then Joey David, just falls off and a then bed. David Arquette runs in and jams a light tube, but doesn't <laughs> The line itself is not a strong one. So no. he looks in, you hear boing, 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 and an ADR Matt LeBlanc goes, ah. And Chandra looks in, brr, moves the head, brr. He goes, that's why your parents told you not to jump on the bed. And that's it. It's that gag. <laughs> is that, is, it's barely a gag. If someone. He knows he's been jumped on the bed. Chandler also knows he's been jumped on the bed. You would say, why are you doing this? <laughs> you wouldn't mention the bed. Your I think opening, Chandler wants to bounce on the bed as your well. Your opening line of friends would be Chandler looking into a room and going, why are you doing this? I'm making jam. <laughs> Similar kind of writing, I think. <laughs> there are a lot of lines in here. And this is, I suppose it's got to like series three. And everyone, you can slightly tell in the actors, they're like, I'm a big deal now. And I'm still doing this. And actually, I'm going to a lot of parties and I'm having a lot of meetings. And this is the day job. And they look a little bit glazed in the whole thing. The thing you also notice in the writing, I think there's a lot of times where you sort of go, well, we've got this massive hit show. And rather than sort of go, can you have another look at that line, though? They're probably going, sorry, you're telling the, the creator of Friends to have another look at the line. That's I'm why, making jam. What is wrong yeah. with that line? That's why your parents told you not to jump on the bed. Yeah. 
It's that, that can't have been, there must have been other ones that worked better than that. Didn't make the cut though. No, amazing. So this, this storyline very quickly changes from a, like a, a bizarre obsession with jam, then really quick gear change, left turn into Monica deciding she wants a baby. Yeah, it's mm. it's a the, 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 again that that was another line that I got obsessed with where she she it's so explanatory. They say you're making jam. She says no. I've got a new plan now. Babies, <laughs> <laughs> and the audience just don't respond at all because it's it's too mad. It's too big a leap. Oh, oh God, what's happening here? Context-wise, the only lead-in for Monica wanting a baby is presumably that conversation with Richard where they agree to not be together because she wants a baby and he doesn't. Yes. So then there's a bit of a jump to get to this episode where suddenly she's going through the process of attempting to actually have a baby. Right, via yeah. jam. Yeah, via <laughs> <laughs> jam. Look, yeah. a lot of things are happening. She's seen some of her best friends break their arms. You know, yeah, things are moving sure. on. She's thinking about yeah. mortality. Yeah. So what's a bit of stability in her life? Yeah, exactly. Get me a baby. So yeah, so then, so, so the jam... Still runs through the whole episode, doesn't it? Because this of Joey's sort of slightly bizarre childlike obsession with jam. Mm. Every time we see Matt LeBlanc now in this episode, he turns the camera and goes, "I'm Joey and I like jam." <laughs> Basically, <laughs> look at me eating jam. Yeah. I mean, he might as well say that he's putting jam on a cracker. He's eating jam straight out of a he jar. Takes, he takes a jar of jam into uh, the Central Park. Huge jar now, as well. Now Gunther has not got his hand on the tiller at any point during his time. <laughs> So he's just not he's just not aware of what his employees are doing. They never seem to be doing any work. He's in the background. Joey's just eating a big pile of jam. Yeah. It reminded me, I saw my dad two or three days ago and we were sat in a was it Le Pan de Cochidente or whatever. Le Pan Cotidien. Yeah. I've never said that. Word. Um and there's a there was a jar of jam and my dad, rather joy like, just took a spoon and just went, very yeah, very sweet. It was like it's jam dad. <laughs> <laughs> it's fucking jam. Straight from the jar of jam. If it tastes like spiders, all right. Yeah. <laughs> It's so true. I've never quite figured out how mad it is to just take a massive tub of jam of anything, yeah. into a, a public space and just start eating it. I, I, I'm annoyed when I see people with laptops in coffee shops. <laughs> if I'm watching someone eat an entire jar of jam, my blood would be boiling. Shove it up their ass. So we've moved from the jam, apart from Joey, who just continually eats jam all the yeah. way through the episode. His insulin levels are woohoo! Yeah, budget's been spent on jam. Jam must be eaten. Yeah. Whether it, Maybe it's a product placement thing. Who knows? Maybe he's the only way he could eat his tablets, because he's a brain. We have to get the tablets at a joy. But his bones are really brittle. We need to get the tablets and put it in the jam. <laughs> but so Monica's now looking at a sperm bank. She's decided she wants a baby, and within 10 minutes... She's got the files printed out, hasn't she, of the different the different people uh, that she wants to do. And uh, so the, one of the sort of side plots here is that she discovers Joey mm. amongst this. Yeah. But she manages to identify him by some very like specific... I mean, I, I don't know too much about that process, to be honest. But I don't imagine it requires you to, to say which kind of football team you're interested in. <laughs> and that's not the grounds by which people choose who they want to be essentially the father of their child. Is it? It's not like, which team do you support? That's the one for me. Your that's kid will support works. the Knicks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, it's worth, I mean, I mean, I came to Friends when it was first on. So I'm, I'm in my 40s. And I remember when Friends was on and it was on Channel 4. And it was, it's so easy to forget how cutting edge it was at that time. There were no other sitcoms that were about modern people. And things like, you hear it now, and, and actually the two things they have in this, stalking and sort of sperm donation and being, you know, uh, an independent woman who wants to have a child, 
you know, on her own. If she, you know, Monica mentions she's 28. She says, it took me all this time to meet Richard and, you know, um, it might take me another 28 years to meet uh, another guy. And it's really easy when you watch it now to just go, this is all quite hack material. But at the time, there was no other shows that would be talking about sort of independence and, and sperm donation and uh, stalkers and restraining orders. They were all sort of very new and exciting. I've always felt that Friends has a real problem in that if you weren't there when you watched it, when it was on the first time, you just don't realise how much of what it did became the fabric of like hack comedy because it was so cutting edge and so big. And I think like that sperm donor thing, I mean, I, what what was the big sitcom in 1990 in Britain? Probably Home James with Jim Davidson, you know. <laughs> what um, the fuck is that? Uh, <laughs> After you finish Friends with Friends, I want you to do Going Home with Home James. Right? It starred Jim Davidson. That podcast is never being made. And, uh, but, but it was cutting edge and stuff like that. It's, it's odd because when you... There's a, a sort of a dramatic scene where Monica is just talking about the yearning ache inside her. And I think now we watch that and you sort of go a bit heavy-handed. At the time, it was really, really bold yeah. and brave. And, and I think that's slightly why it's aged badly because it was so influential that it, it just sort of disappeared into the pack of the world that it created. And that really emotional scene where Monica's talking to Ross and, and uh, she's talking about, you know, all this stuff. And I, I, I see the way Ben looks at you and I want that. Yeah. How is that then punctuated in the Friends episode? Uh, does Joey say jam crackers? <laughs> literally that. <laughs> yeah. Joey literally looks up and goes, jam crackers. Yeah. And everyone goes, they are end of use, scene. <laughs> it, it's ironic that he's broken his arm because they use his jam thing as a crutch throughout all of this episode. <laughs> if, they're, if they're in a pickle, God, there's a lot of preserve based <laughs> Stop it. But if they're in a sort of a, a jam, oh God, that's not, no, I'm going to stick with pickle. If they're in a pickle, they just sort of go, and what would Joey say about jam? Yeah. And he just goes, Jam hands, or you know, <laughs> jam jam. Woo, got out of that one. Remember when he was in that um, tomato sauce advert where the where the the sauce was coming off the the Who roof was? of it? it Matt LeBlanc was Matt in LeBlanc. a in a Heinz tomato sauce advert. Was he? Yeah, when he was like in the eighties, and he oh. put like a brick on top of a tube of tomato sauce and let it drop down for some fucking reason. I don't fucking know why. <laughs> Did he, he think his, it was jam? <laughs> that's what I'm thinking. That's what might have been in the tube. Because we never... He puts it on a hot dog because he gets the hot dog and he goes, I'm doing, I'm fucking weird. Never it could be jam. So I'm just saying. Is this a regional advert? He's on top of it. <laughs> it was Tynes and it had Matt LeBlanc in it. Who knows what those fucking cars are running on Top Gear? <laughs> jam. <laughs> that being jam cars. Thing, that's it's nothing to do with the Friends writers. He's obsessed with jam in real life. <laughs> <laughs> He's in the pockets of Big Jam. He wants to get it, he wants to get it in. I don't think anyone's ever said the word jam more on a podcast. <laughs> ever. And I'm thrilled with that. Absolutely thrilled. <laughs> Um, and then this story sort of wraps up very quite abruptly. Um, Monica goes, oh, I'm off to the sperm bank. And Joey goes, oh, I'll bring us back some jam. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an idiot. Um, I mean, there is genuinely a scene, isn't there? there is, where yeah, he just goes, jam, where's, yeah. where's the jam? And she goes, that's it. And he, and he looks so sad. <laughs> there is, there's a great line in that about where he's, she's, he, they sort of get to the, the root of why he likes jam. And he sort of says, I, my mum used to drop me off at the cinema and she'd leave me with a, a jar of jam and a spoon. And it's a sort of good, tragic, <laughs> abusive sort story. of horrible sort of thing. And he, and he looks on it as a good memory. That's what's really funny about it. He's like, oh, what a great memory. And 
uh, Rachel then looks at him sort of pityingly and just goes, you're so pretty. And everyone laughs. And I was thinking, oh, fuck you. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I, I had an abusive childhood, but I've made the best of it. Yeah. Oh, you're pretty. <laughs> you're just hair. <laughs> That's all you've got going, mate. A waitress who never does any work is criticising yeah. me for eating jam as a child. How do we get here? The way he considers it to be like a normal childhood as well, the fact that his mum would drop him off and then give him a jar of jam and a spoon as well. He thinks it's like a standard thing that everyone's experienced, yeah. it? which I, I, for one, haven't. Did you, eat ja- did you eat jam as a kid? Have you ever eaten jam out of a jar? Is this like a folk memory that we all think we've done and no one has ever done? Have you ever, who here has eaten jam out of a jar? No one! Zero hands went up. Big one for me was I used to eat um, a lot of frozen sausages. <laughs> you, the frozen fridge. sausages? The, yeah, the freezer. Like, really, you know, it's cheap, horrible that pink sausages incredibly from the Ill. 80s. It's incredible. There was these two old ladies that were talking about on, on this morning this week who were talking about, well, we used to spread the sausages on, the, on a piece of bread, completely uncooked. And I used to gr- grab sausages, frozen sausages. Little, little meaty kind Suddenly of uh, jam ice seems pop. quite normal. Yeah. <laughs> but when I tell that story, people are usually horrified. I've got about... A th- 40 questions about you. <laughs> Did you just say spread sausages? The, the old lady used to do that. It's a bit, bit fancy for me. Like, they used to, they used to get bread and they used to spread sausages They've on their bread. They've got ideas above their station, <laughs> those ladies. Am I they're having the, a They're stroke? the landed classes. The aristocracy. Sausage on bread. Pff, straight in the mouth. Route one, sausage eating. Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right, Pete. Joey's childhood seems absolutely yeah, fine now. Exactly. <laughs> Look at me, I'm eating frozen sausages. Oh, my fingernails fell off. <laughs> Should we move on to the next one? The next, the next storyline. So we'll save Arquette for the end, shall we? He's our, he's our headliner. So we'll talk about this sort of Chandler, Joey... Uh, no, Chandler, Ross, and Rachel. Boyfriend lessons is what is what the Wikipedia synopsis says. But it's it's the hug and roll plotline. If you haven't seen this for a while, exactly exactly what I mean about that thing about it being absolutely groundbreaking. That to me, it seems like really hack stand up material. Yeah, you know, you're in bed. You uh, you know, you, you they want to snuggle, but you want to get out. So what you do is you hug and you roll, hug and roll. And again, you you were like, oh, have I seen that act? Well, that's like 30 times. You rarely sort of see sort of stand-up material being put into TV shows because it was just gags, wasn't it? But this was like an actual bit of material that just stuck in. It really, I reckon that there was someone on the writing staff who had done a bit of stand-up because that seemed so fully formed. And this is a throwaway thing. This is very much the C plot line. You know, you've got the stalker with David Arquette. You've got the the baby and the jam. Amazing jam is the top storyline on that. (laughs) But then you have this other one, which is just what are the others going to do? And so it's a basic thing about going, you know, the, the hug and roll technique and, you know, the, the lads talking about it. But that, I reckon that that hug and roll thing, they would not have put that in if anyone had done it. On a stand-up yeah. circuit. Yeah. And so that's probably the, the, the ground zero of that routine, of that hug and roll. It's probably never, and you watch it now and you go, oh, this old thing, you know, I think they did it first. Great. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't ask to come on this show and talk about Friends, Dave. Inside the writer's room with Mark. And then they hired a a writer that's just obsessed with jam. He did one episode right out there. Get out. It really does feel like this episode was written by two halves of a room, doesn't it? Cut a shot. Just over there, the mad jam guy. Yeah. And then over here, someone doing like proper original standard material. I imagine the jam guy is now really successful as well. (laughs) Doing loads of stupid bloody movies. And the guy who came up with the... the, the, Yeah, the the guy who came up with the hug and roll thing will will have have died in poverty. 
I feel like there are some quite fundamental problems with the practicalities of hug and roll because as Chandler encounters, you, you sort of end up with someone lying on your arm. For that tactic to actually work, you have to have a bed wide enough to not only roll over, but then roll them all the way. I'm, I'm saying about three meters wide. <laughs> For do a like bed. a full 360 yeah, roll. Yeah, you have to get them yeah. all the way off your arm yeah. Yeah. and into their own space so that you don't have the then awkward sort of withdrawal. So, just, so you're suggesting like a 360 zero gravity bed. Yes. It just continues. <laughs> like that window over just there. Just rotates them off. Yeah. You're just constantly rolling yeah. throughout the night. Yeah. Perpetual motion. It's beautiful. <laughs> it's like the Hadron Collider. Just but that's the problem that Chandler has because then he ends up... What, what injury does Janice sustain? Death. Death. She dies. She, di- she dies. It's Falls off the door <laughs> and dies. Yeah, he sort of spins her off the way. Well, this is the problem they don't address there, because when Ross is demonstrating this hug and roll thing, he gets his arm trapped under the cushion. Yeah, it But it's work. not an issue at that point. Yeah. Like, no. that, that's enough for him. He's fine just sleeping like this. So we are led to believe that Ross Geller sleeps every night with his arm under Rachel. Yeah. But- Bullshit. Like, that's... <laughs> That's incredibly uncomfortable. How heavy are those people? They're, t- they're <laughs> tiny women. The, um, the choreography of this spinning off the bed is imp- implausible. Is Well, uh, let's not forget the last episode, one of the stars broke his arm, yeah. right? So they've done it very, very safely, and it's a very, very slow and clumsy drop. Yeah, it's, and, it's, and, 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 and Matthew Perry sort of pulls his arm out, and then about nine minutes later, Janice goes, oh, and then falls off the bed yeah. and collapses and doesn't wake up. No. So she's broken her arm. Or Very deep something. sleeper. <laughs> but she's just on the floor with in quite a lot of pain, I would imagine. She, she may be screaming, but she might have damaged some of the necks in her, uh, bones in her neck. I mean, that's, that's, that's my spin on it. <laughs> what happens then is that Janice comes into Central Perk with her arm in a cast or a sling or whatever she's got. Screaming. <laughs> Silently. And she has this exchange with Rachel where Rachel says, oh, what happened to you? Janice says, oh, uh, Chandler tried Ross's hug and roll thing. And Rachel, and what's obviously happened here is that Rachel has no idea. Rachel thinks they cuddle all night. That's fine. When Janice reveals this, Rachel looks at her like she's killed her sister. Yeah. yeah. She's so angry mm. that this it's, it's an implausible level of anger. Yeah. And Janice's reaction is one of, oh my God, what have I done? This, I've yeah. just said something absolutely terrible. Yeah. Which is also not sort of relative. All she's really done is break the news that in his sleep, her boyfriend moves around the bed a bit. Which is fine. You're asleep. You don't know. No. Like, it's fine. That's not a good basis sure, of what you're allowed to do. <laughs> Please don't quote me on that. Yeah. Please don't quote me on that. <laughs> if Rachel is unaware that that happens, does he go back in at like six in the morning and roll back in? Yeah. Oh, the roll and hug. The roll and hug. Yeah, the hug. Yeah, yeah. The, hug, yeah. Yeah, the reverse roll and hug. Yeah. Slide the arm under. Yeah. Spin her back in. Back under, yeah. <laughs> why, why, why is Janice, you've watched more Friends more recently than I have. Why, why is Janice like a figure of fun? She seems really nice. <laughs> yeah, well, there's, there's um, I think it was Helen Monks came on our podcast and basically has this, she has a big thesis that um, the six main characters in Friends are all awful wankers and Janice is lovely. Yeah. And when yeah. you watch it back, you go, oh yeah, she's just like quite a nice, ple- she's got a bit of a funny voice. That's her, basically her flaw. A voice mm. to laugh, isn't it? Yeah, and then the rest of them are, and this is like, if you if you listen to the episode with Helen Monk, she basically says how they're just awful, elitist, exclusive bunch that won't let anyone in, and they've they've picked on this funny laugh she's got and gone, well, she is basically Hitler. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. she will never be welcome here. But yeah, you're right. She just seems like quite a, a nice, sweet woman. She, she comes into that, and, and you get the impression if Chandler had said, oh, it's, you know, they're doing the hugging thing, my arm gets a bit sore. She goes, sure, no problem. 
Yeah. She seems really nice. Yeah. So all the rest of them are like, oh, I'm going to make a big deal of this. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, the whole hug and roll plot is, is overthought, isn't it? I mean, it's not really a problem. No. It's, do you know what? It, it, it's, it's light, but it's actually really well written. I thought it was... That, that for me, is the best part of the episode. Oh, lovely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't ask to be on, Dave. <laughs> I come here on your podcast and I say, isn't friends good? And how does the host respond? He goes, what are you talking about? Hello and welcome to the musical podcast. I'm Kiri. And I'm Jade. And I'm Dave. Dave's on keys. But we don't play that too much because otherwise we'll have to pay some people rights money. Yeah. Uh, we do a live show where comedians come and sing their favourite musical theatre songs in front of a live audience. This podcast is us bringing that person inside of a building. <laughs> Welcome to Just a Minute with Jade Adams. <laughs> I'm panicked. Enjoy. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Want to teach your kids financial literacy, but not sure where to start? Greenlight can help. With Greenlight, parents can keep an eye on kids' spending and saving, while kids and teens use a card of their own to build money confidence. As a parent, you can send instant money transfers, set up chores, automate allowance, and more. It's a convenient way to run your household, customized to your family's needs, and the easy way to raise financially smart kids. Get started with Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com slash ACAST. Well, it's Arquette then, isn't it? I think because, I mean, there's, there's the hug and roll, is it? That's it, isn't it? They hug, they roll, they spin, she breaks her arm at the end. Mm, mm. So we're on to David Arquette. Yeah. Your, your ex- sort of area of expertise. Yeah, he is, it's a problematic thing. I know we say that word a lot and there's been lots of articles recently about friends, uh, the, 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 you know, how it doesn't really fit into the modern world. You certainly wouldn't do a lot of these. You Well, you wouldn't do the, the stalking storyline. You wouldn't do the... The sort of the, the bit actually where Ross in the in the baby storyline turns around and sort of goes, "You're not going to do that. You aren't going to do that." And it's like, "Oh, <laughs> stop telling people what to do." You wouldn't do the jam one because it's batshit. Bat um, <laughs> but uh, th- th- this was I, I don't know. It was it was a strange one because Friends is it seems very very short when you watch it now. Is it like twenty minutes? Twenty two yeah. minutes. Yeah. 21, 22, 22. 21, 20 minutes. So you've got three storylines going in there, and the the stalker one. They don't give it enough time to really breathe for it to be anything but just the most bizarre. I'm being stalked. I'm going out with the stalker. We're broken up. Yeah. 
too quick. It is too quick. <laughs> so, so yeah, so the, the premise is that David Arquette's character, Malcolm, is stalking Phoebe because he thinks Phoebe is Ursula. Um, and then hilarity ensues, and then she because he's been stalking Ursula. Yes, he's got a restraining order out on him. So, well, this all right. So this might not be the thing to flag up as the main problem, but David Arquette stalking is appalling. Like, yeah, <laughs> two or three steps the behind. The actual stalking yeah. Yeah. is, he, yeah, he is two paces at most behind, yeah. sort of just like darting around like yeah. a fucking Fagin. Yeah, <laughs> and it's that's not stalking, is it? It's just following awkwardly. It's slipstreaming. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's so weak. Not enough jam in his diet, and he just needs to move through the world in different ways. Yeah, friends can be problematic, actually, these days. Yeah, the stalking's not very realistic. <laughs> I said it might not be the best thing to focus on. But this becomes more curious when, you, when it's revealed later on that David Arquette has a restraining order on uh, against Ursula, mm. which is why... Based on how close he is to Phoebe, his restraining order must be for three feet. Yeah, yeah. It's like, incredibly like, effective. You can't yeah. come within 12 <laughs> centimeters of her. Yeah. So he's just, he's right up close. And you're right about that sort of Fagin thing. And it's not helped by the fact that that scene is on a set. Mm. And there's quite a lot of set stuff that they use in this episode. Yeah. And what they've done is they go, what will make the set look real is if we have two background artists in it. So there'll be two people who are who are having to do something very specific to justify them being there. So in the background, there'll be a guy selling flowers like that and someone else looking at his watch and going, hmm. And so when David Arquette comes in creeping, it's just like, is this, this is a million pounds, like the biggest television show of all time. Gets more extras. It's like being at like a King's Langley Church Hall. <laughs> oh, watch out. The man is going, oh, I will buy some flowers. <laughs> and that is a detail that I hadn't, hadn't previously really noticed Wait. until I watched it. David Arquette buys some flowers during the stalking sequence. Is there any change of hands of money? Or does he literally just take them and the flower seller's like, that's fine. I think, I know, I think he, I think he hands over money. Does he? I think there's an entire transaction whilst Phoebe is very slowly getting away to like yeah. maybe four feet away. And then he turns around, he's got flowers and, and then... That's it. And then she turns around and going, what are you doing? Well, the other thing is that Phoebe says, oh, you've been, you've been following me all week. And it's, right. it's taken a week for her to be like, hang on. Yeah. You've been literally dancing around me all like, week. I think, I think within like 24 hours, I'd be like, I'm, I'm sure I've seen this person before. Like every day for a week is a lot. Yeah, I think within 20 seconds of someone getting that close to you, <laughs> like she does in this scene. Like he's been that close all week. Yeah, just dancing around like a little pixie around yeah. there everywhere It'd she goes. It'd be great if you watch back the last episode, the last series, and David Arquette is just <laughs> always in the background. A real slow burn reveal. Look at through the letterbox of the house. <laughs> <laughs> It's also the fact that once they strike up a conversation and they are sort of sat on that doorstep together and they're having a chat yeah. and Phoebe tells him that he seems like a really nice guy yeah. and at that point that seems to be based purely on the fact that he's followed her for a week and yeah. then she's spoken to him for about 30 seconds she's like oh you're alright it's fine that, that funny 90s thing of going you know you're stalking me which is very flattering you know <laughs> <laughs> I just like outside scenes and friends like you you know you, we've been in a big city we are in a big city right now people are just screaming constantly <laughs> like I was just like the real, just give us a little bit of realism, you know. Yeah. Just somebody throwing a you know diaper at someone. I don't know, like just yeah. do something. Yeah. I remember I was watching Casualty last week for some reason, and um, hospital when you're on a hospital ward, 
All you can hear is people going, ah! <laughs> Why did they put that in? Put some horrible New York noises. Yeah. People shouting. Yeah. What are you fucking stalking that girl for? <laughs> hey, uh, Kent. You're in this fucking light tube, you yeah. prick. <laughs> you were the worst WCW champion. <laughs> that ain't up for debate. I got your fucking gem right here, sunshine. <laughs> In every scene, Joey's put a bit of Heinz <laughs> on a What he basically wants is you want friends and everyone doing their thing, but then being shouted down. By, so they're trying to do their lines. It's just loads of people going, hey, look at you, you fat frog. <laughs> it's, it's not a poetry, it's just boxes. Yeah. Boxes. <laughs> hey, tell us more about the gym, you schmuck. He didn't break it jumping off his bed. He fucked it on a chair. <laughs> look at me, I'm ruining friends. <laughs> The big city. <laughs> <laughs> the worrying thing is that I know that one of you within 24 hours would have made that YouTube video. <laughs> <laughs> You're just shouting over friends. Sorry, Dave. What's YouTube? Yeah, it'll, it'll be Pete. Right. <laughs> um, so this, <laughs> this progresses. They they end up kissing. They end up dating. He's not a likely movie star, is he, David Arquette? It's, it's weird. So is he in this because he's dating Courtney Cox at the time and? Because he's not very famous, is he? No, and it's not like a big sort of... Well, no, I mean, he, and he never was very... No. I mean, he, he was... I, I think it... Well, the funny thing about it is, if you give... A lot of the time when they did Friends and they had cameos, they were the big, high, sort of comedy parts. Yeah. And this is... I know it's a stalker and everything, but it is just... He's playing it like, I'm actually a stalker in Friends and, you know, I'm just... I'll keep it flat. And it's a really... I don't know, it's just a really... It's a nothing role that he really doesn't give anything to. What else is he in, other than that film about uh, Eight-Legged Freaks? Is it that? The, the Big Spiders? Yeah. What in, else is uh, he Scream? in? Scream, was he in Scream? Yeah, he? Scream. He's in uh, Ready to Rumble. Uh, play <laughs> <laughs> plays a sewage worker. Heard all worker. about that one, yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Great place to stalk. <laughs> they all float down here. <laughs> I just can't think, I can't think what else, you know, was... Because he's not a big star. Yeah. <laughs> It's, it's not a thing like, oh, I can't remember it. He hasn't done them. He's sort of treated as a guest star either. He's not really treated as a big deal, the fact that they have him there, is it? Like, no. You know, you normally, when there's those guest stars, you get that reaction from audience. Yeah, like when, when Brad walk Pitt in. walks in and they yeah, exactly. go mad. Bruce Willis, and there's yeah. never anything like that with him. It's just, no, but he is no, going bad. out with Courtney Cox at this point, isn't yeah. he? And they've not married, but then they do marry. Yeah. And they, they obviously, I mean, I mean, presumably, just by virtue of the fact he was going out with one of the stars of Friends, he probably had a much bigger profile than we remember now mm. because he was Mr. Courtney Cox wasn't he right. they were so big and then you get the thing where they marry and in real life and is is it season six yes around then yes the, the six, credits yeah. as an in joke yeah they everyone on the credits appears with the suffix Arquette yeah so it's, it like says that. Courtney, Courtney Cox, Cox Arquette yeah. and then you get Jennifer Aniston Arquette David Schwimmer Arquette <laughs> yeah. you know so he was obviously big enough that that joke worked for the public Right, yeah, yeah. Okay. Then. So presumably now they're just going, oh, that's that guy. I don't know. It's a weird one. So Malcolm, David Arquette, is, stalk uh, is, is, is stalking Phoebe. They start dating. Everybody, this is one of those sort of rare moments in Friends where everybody just sort of speaks sense and says the truth and everyone just goes, what the fuck are you doing? Mm. This is insane. Stop doing that. Apart from Monica, who has a bizarre moment where she goes, do you know what? That's my fucking husband. <laughs> <laughs> How fucking dare you? <laughs> she, and she goes, oh no, I think you should just probably trust him. 
Which is mad in the scenario. I, I mean, look, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but are you saying that Friends invented the incel? Right? Mate, Gunther was the original incel. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, he was like, he's got some websites. He will have some websites. Because, I mean, what this is, is it's saying to a generation of creepy men, just follow women, <laughs> and sooner or later they'll say, I can see you're a really nice guy. Keep keep pressing. Some of their friends will say, oh, he's horrible. But you wear them down, one of them will go, he's lovely, and then you win. <laughs> that is that is Thanks, quite a friends. general romantic pattern in Friends, isn't it? You sort of grind the women down and eventually they'll give in. Like, it's one of the most problematic things that appears all the way through. And this is one of the biggest examples because he literally stalks her. Yeah, he literally falls. Yeah, it happens. I mean, it's Ross and Russ. how Ross and Rachel is, really, isn't yeah. it? He grinds her down. It's the same with um, Pete and Pete, Monica. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, look, look at the way. Look at the way that um, other people in uh, Frasier used to always come on after Friends, and is it David Hyde Pierce or whatever? He, yeah. His character would just be trying to just constantly, constantly going on. Weirdly, uh, who's the blonde lady out of Friends? Uh, from Manchester, Jane. No, out of Friends, the one we were just talking about. Friends. Literally, Lisa Kudrow. Yeah, Lisa she was originally in Frasier as Roz was in she? the pilot. Yes. Oh. And also, uh, they. Um, when the you know you have those like kind of um, audience screenings where they sort of turn up a dial when they like stuff and or press yeah. a button when, when they don't like something every time the dog comes on the screen it's when it's just a bit of a flat scene <laughs> so just put a dog in the scene <laughs> which they basically do with Joy in this programme yeah <laughs> <laughs> make Joy shout jam yeah, yeah that. <laughs> oh, boy baby shout jam yes <laughs> jam time jam 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 <laughs> They, they, they fucking jell on you dicks <laughs> why are you seeing jam all the time uh, the other thing they do with David Arquette's character is they don't give him one funny line no, no, nothing not do one you, maybe that's because they've cast him basically because he's a, a middling actor that happens to be dating Courtney Cox and they've gone alright give him a part and they've, they've just taken Courtney Cox aside and gone is he is he is he good yeah is he funny and just gone <laughs> no, 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 no. Absolutely no. worth saying. There's one appearance in uh, WCW, the wrestling organization, when David Arquette was the champion, where uh, they filmed David Arquette on set of a film. I can't remember which film it was. And they used in that little vignette, they used Courtney Cox and Kurt Russell. And Kurt Russell sort of does some business. It's all funny and he's talking about being hard. And Courtney Cox looks at the camera and just goes, I actually think David is uh, mentally ill. <laughs> and there's there's a big thing that ran throughout it that she was constantly going I mean it's absolutely crazy I don't know why he's doing this and you go oh great that's really funny that really works are, are you in character you work it out you know um, so I, I think there is a slight thing of you can see them going they've got this big character and he's really like you know he's a big stalker and he's got this and her going do you know what dial it down a bit have him say hello Again, David, if you, if you are listening, David, we are big fans of your work. <laughs> you, didn't, you, could, you couldn't name one film. <laughs> what about the spiders? <laughs> and then this uh, concludes in the subway, mm. uh, where Joey suggests that Phoebe just go and stalk David Arquette. That's the best way to resolve this situation. And all the rest of the friends go, oh, yeah, yeah, great, great idea. <laughs> That's sensible and... A circle of life. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then a Phoebe obviously doesn't have much experience stalking anyone, so she copies what David Arquette's done. So she's just <laughs> dancing around behind pillars in the subways. And then David Arquette turns around, and she just turns around and carries on walking backwards. So she's now in front of him, and then ends up with her head in a bin. Yeah. Looking for a sandwich. And then 
it turns out that Malcolm has just been stalking Ursula all along, and we get Lisa Kudrow in a very obviously shot later. Yeah, like Lisa Kudrow <laughs> as Ursula walks past, and I don't even think she was in this in the station. She just has no awareness for her surroundings it's whatsoever. A green tinge, to her. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just gliding through as, uh, as, as Ursula. Uh, and I, when I was doing my research for this episode, one of the facts that someone's put on IMDb is uh, this is the last appearance in Friends of the subway. Yeah. Which I, is a I, mental oh, thing. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Again, such a popular show that they could have, they could build a replica of the subway yeah. to use in the show and then go, not using that again. Yeah. <laughs> mental. But they use it quite a lot in the first two or three seasons and then just obviously decide this is not for us. We well, the original it. show was called Train Friends. <laughs> <laughs> it was about a lot of people who would commute together. Um, but I just, I mean, what an astonishing start that somebody has gone through and watched every episode of Friends yeah. and ticked or crossed whether the subway appears in it. Yeah. It's one of those facts that you definitely challenge, wouldn't you? Yeah, it's, yeah, like, it's not worth winning either. No, way, yeah, well, that's absolutely true. No, one, no one's Liar. winning. Yeah, yeah. Prove it. Oh, well, do you no know why. of the Friends set, set in the train bit? Where does this stand in, uh, like, good episodes of Friends? Um, Is this any Where good? does this stand in good episodes of Friends with Friends? <laughs> <laughs> it's better not to ask that question. Uh, I, I, it's, it's, it's a, I say it's a middling episode of I Friends. Didn't, I didn't immediately remember anything about it other than the fact that Monica makes jam. Yeah. I, I didn't, I didn't away like any of them more by the time it had ended. I didn't sort of go, oh, that was a good bit. I sort of went, oh, they did their thing. And then it was over. (laughs) This is the final, and some would say for a live audience, completely inaccessible part of the show. Yes. uh, Which is... Did you not hear the last 45 minutes? (laughs) (laughs) There was a... I talked about some wrestling from 19 years ago. And then Pete just shouted jam for five minutes. Uh, this is a bit we do on every episode. It's called the lightning round. It is our attention to detail quiz where we basically challenge you to, ooh, a little woo for the lightning round. Probably for the original lightning round in Friends and not our version of it, but that's fine. We rarely um, remember to call it the lightning round. Yeah, it took us just, a good 10 episodes yeah. to stop calling it the sort of quiz bit we do at the end when we've run out of other stuff to talk about. Has the quiz started yet? <laughs> <laughs> uh, five questions just to test how... In, in how much detail you, you watched it. Uh, we'll start easy. Question one, what was uh, Joey's planned explanation for his shoulder injury when he went to the doctor? Oh, I know this one. It, it wasn't as funny as it should have been. <laughs> Correct. Uh, so this, this is the bit where Joey, they come back from the doctors. Mark, for the benefit of the listeners, Mark and Pete are really racking their brains here. So Mark's got his hand over his eyes. <laughs> they come back from the doctors. <laughs> <laughs> We're all tired. Oh. And... Um, and the friends go, oh, how did it go? The doctor, is it broken? He goes, no, it's not broken. Uh, did you tell him you fell off the bed? And Joey goes, no, I was all ready to. But then Chandler ratted me out. He says along the lines of you were going, you can't just tell him it just popped out. Right. Oh, yeah. So that's exactly Close. it. it it's it, harder remembering a line that is not memorable than it is remembering yeah. a line that is. Yeah. <laughs> um, hence the really niche access of this element of the podcast which is just remembering very uneventful bits that we haven't talked about previously um, but yeah it just fell out of its socket that, that was that was what it is and but there is such a build-up that you go oh this is this is going to be great yeah. yeah Chandler's going like Joe's like oh Chandler ratted me out and he was like well I don't think they believe and you think this is going to be a great gag absolutely not <laughs> 
Question two. Uh, what does Phoebe call David Arquette the first time she sees him? She has a little nickname for him. She clearly put it together over the course of the week that he's been following it. <laughs> he ca- he calls her, she calls him kooky at one point. She, he's not a kook. No. It's something guy, which I now I've said that out loud, I realise is deeply unhelpful. She goes, hey, you, blank guy. Does anyone in the room know? I mean, if you do, you do. bloody Nora. Uh, go on, shout it out. Jay Krueger. Jay Krueger. Hey, that, you. Jay Krueger. That yeah, is right nice. Right <laughs> Absolutely. What's, what, is, is that a clothing thing? That is, yeah, it's a clothing thing. Does it work? David Arquette does not look preppy. Is it a preppy reference? My dad wears J. Crew. Uh, yeah? He is 62 now. <laughs> and um, one of Britain's best stalkers. <laughs> He wears J. Crew when he's 62 and he's here today. Can I just ask for peace of mind? Did you watch the episode in preparation for coming today or do you just know that from your brains? Uh, yes, and probably, yeah. Both. <laughs> Both. Yeah. You are our perfect audience. Thank you. <laughs> Sit at the front next time, please. Uh, question three. Uh, what's the name of the imaginary man Joey imagines Monica will settle down with? So he's trying to persuade her not to go to the sperm bank. The guys at the back know this guy. <laughs> to be honest, Mark and Pete, do you want to swap seats with the two people at the back? <laughs> yes. Uh, it's, it's a bit Aryan nation yeah. when they describe him. Yeah. That, that made me feel uncomfortable. Yeah. Is it Adolf Hitler? <laughs> Close? No. Do you have a Pete? Is it Frankel's? <laughs> I, d- I don't know. So our answers I are Adolf know. Hitler and Frankel's. <laughs> <laughs> uh, back row team? Hoyt. It is Hoyt. The whole of the audience showed Hoyt. It is, yeah. The only Hoyt I can think of is Hoyt Axon, who is the father of Zach in Gremlins. Next question. (laughs) (laughs) Question four. uh, What flavour jam? um, This episode bases quite firmly on jam. I don't know if we've referenced that so far. (laughs) Uh, What flavour jam does Monica bring to Central Perk for Joey? Oh, it's like boysenberry or something silly, isn't it? Blue... The way that she phrases it is unusual to me personally. (laughs) Doesn't she feed him off her finger? Or am I just... (laughs) No? That's in your mind, Kate. (laughs) That's a different video you were watching before you came. Better friends. I would have said it was Blackberry, but does she say... Then she says another word at the end of it. Oh. No, don't know. Anyone? Blackberry Oh, look at you. Blackberry oh, Yes, correct. Would Black- we say blackcurrant? Yeah. yeah that, is that what well, that's is? what I assumed it was. Yeah. But it's, it's a mad way of saying blackcurrant. <laughs> blackberry currant. I mean, there's also blackberries. Let's not forget yeah, about yeah. that. <laughs> Could be either. We're not sure. How, do you, how would you describe Ribena? Oh, very complicated. <laughs> very... <laughs> Also, notice how a team at the back were getting applauded for right answers, and now everyone's just like, of course I've got another one. <laughs> <laughs> Bloody hell. This is classic pub quiz, isn't it? Classic pub quiz atmosphere where you're like, yeah, know it alls. Question five, the last one. You're, doing, you're, you're on one out of four so far, which is <laughs> pathetic. <laughs> but the guys at the back are on four out of four. So, um, I mean, are either lost. of us getting paid? Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> Touche. Uh, question five. If anything, they're down on the situation. They paid to enter this quiz. At least Who you're... the winners now? <laughs> yeah. You are economically neutral. <laughs> question five. The first sperm bank file Monica looks through describes uh, the man describes himself as a male who. Oh. Oh, someone just whispered. Oh, there's a lot of excitement in the room for the answers. Was there a rocket scientist in there? 
You've just you're saying words you've heard in the episode now. Yes. Yeah. Rock and scientist jam. <laughs> Adolf Hitler frozen Hitler. sausage. I feel just to save time because there's two minutes left on that clock. We're just going to have to go to the. How long's the answer? <laughs> <laughs> uh, team audience. Gina. Oh, look at oh. that. Gina Mail, yes. Gina Davis. Oh, I like that guy. That was good. Yeah, you mean lovely. this too? Lovely. Yeah. Done. Nice. Great. One out of five. Dreadful. Look <laughs> 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 okay, what we do. Applaud yourselves. Well done, guys. That's it, Mark, Pete. Thank you so much. Thanks Thank you, Dave. Everyone. We didn't ask to be on. <laughs> 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 Always a pleasure, Pete. Always yes, good to see you. <laughs> Good to see you. Do, yeah. do stick around for my TED talk about um, <laughs> eating sausages and there's health benefits. <laughs> <laughs> um, please give a big hand for Pete Donaldson and Mark Haynes. <laughs> and thank you so much for coming. It's genuinely thank lovely when people much. turn up yes. and know the quiz answers so well. We are <laughs> genuinely thrilled. Uh, genuinely, it means a lot to us. Thank you for coming. Enjoy the rest of your evening. Goodbye. Thank you very much. Thank you. Hello, we're still here. Uh, next week on Friends with Friends is the wonderful author and campaigner Natasha Devon. Natasha Devon, please would you tell us which episode you have chosen for next week? It is the one with the routine. The one with the routine. Iconic. Season six, episode 10. Go away to your Netflixes or other available devices and watch it. And uh, we shall be back next week. Goodbye. Goodbye. GreatBigOwl.com ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. This is Roundabout Season 2, and we're back to share more stories from the road and the memories made along the way. We're talking rest stops. If we're stopping to get gas, you will be timed. <laughs> <laughs> you will be right Misguided plans. I grew up in the city, so I have, like, you know, a healthy fear of real extreme darkness. <laughs> this was, like, wilderness. A lot of laughs. Y'all weird, but you, but you, you were different. Like you were real different. Bro. I can't really put my finger on it. And so much more. Just goes to show that unexpected yeah. things sometimes are the best when it comes to a road trip. Roundabout season two, presented by Nissan, is live now with new episodes rolling out every Thursday. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com.